It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, May 25th, 2020. It is Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. Hope you're having a wonderful day off. Uh, Let's try to remember what this day is all about, not just the kickoff of summer and barbecue and pool parties, but... You know, it's about our fallen soldiers that have given so much for us, not just the soldiers themselves, but the families who've suffered losses and, you know, all the different wars and conflicts we've we've been in in America. It is just a a special day. We should we should think of these men and women every day. But specifically today, Memorial Day 2020. What a special day. I'm a very big Christmas guy as many of you know, but this is a holiday I think that is probably the most important. Maybe 4th of July is, is, uh, you know, it's kind of neck and neck. Uh, The the birth of our nation and the Independence Day is is tough to argue with. But Memorial Day, I think, you know, like I said, not only does it kick off summer, but it's just, it's just remembering. I think everyone can relate to, to losing someone, if not a direct family member, maybe a, a family member uh, down the line. I think everyone in their family tree at some point has somebody that, that not only fought, but paid the ultimate sacrifice. So let's keep that in mind today. Uh, it's a nice way to start off a week. Uh, I had a good, good weekend, a nice extended weekend. Um, it's it's going into today. I'm I'm still wanted to get a an episode out for everybody, but just a good weekend. Uh, Memorial Day, like I said, it's a very special day, and it's a day that I always uh, reflect on. Take a few moments to just really think about everybody. We have Veterans Day, which is for those who served, and Memorial Day is is for those who paid the ultimate price for us. And, and yes, they 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 did that. They paid the ultimate. Price. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear people just uh, disrespecting those who served and, and want to get into the political realm of things and this and that. But I think in general, you know, uh, most people get it. Most people don't don't get too uh, too weird with it. They're just, hey, we're honoring the fallen. So uh, Memorial Day weekend and Memorial Day itself. Happy Memorial Day to everyone out there and to anybody out there who has lost somebody. I salute you. I salute you. Uh, Men and women who've served and, and done so much for us over the years. Uh, just a incredible, incredibly honored every single year at this time. I had a pretty good weekend. Uh, you know, I we went to dinner Friday night, not at a, at a restaurant, but we went to dinner at a friend's house, uh, me and Valerie. And we went over to uh, a friend of ours and, and their, his wife. And, uh, and they made us dinner. It was just great to get out of the house and, and sit down with a couple other people and socialize and you know, I, I came away with a little bit of a wound, actually. I had to, you know, I, I we were playing in the backyard this game where you you dangle this, like, hook from a string. And at one end of the yard, uh, not very far, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 feet, you let go of this, this string, this hook on a string, and it 
and it goes across the yard and you're trying to hook it onto this. It's like a ring and you're trying to put it on this hook. So we were doing that. It's a fun way to pass time, friendly competition. Well, I took a direct hit. I was over there uh, adjusting something or other and my lovely girlfriend, Valerie, let go of the string. Didn't think it would make contact with me. Well, the ring, the metal ring attached to it hit me right below the eye, uh, right on the cheekbone. And man, did it hurt. I, I, I tried to keep my cool. <laughs> I took a few breaths. She felt awful. So, uh, but, but it's funny because it swelled up kind of, kind of like, it's interesting. It was on the right side of my cheek and the swelling is kind of getting black and blue, like almost between my nose and my uh, eye. So I, I'm not, I, I'm not a fighter by any means, but man, I, I feel even more for those guys who, they, they, all the punches and, and the blows they take. I just got a little a little bump on my eye and all of a sudden it's swelling up. So a uh, little bit of domestic violence, if you will, from my girlfriend, Valerie. No, I'm just kidding. That's the last time I'll mention that. She she still feels awful. She sees some of the, the swelling and uh, I'm fine. But I thought that was rather funny. We, you know, we <laughs> we went to dinner and didn't come without a price, right? Get, getting hit in the eye by a, by a metal ring. Anyway, Saturday, you know, it was kind of low key. And you know what we did? We had a little movie. We had a little double feature, actually. Our, our roommates had suggested the movie 1917. And I know that is a story of uh, British soldiers. But I figured, you know what, Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, let's watch that. Uh, I had wanted to see it a long time. It's one of the only World War I movies I can think of. So we finally watched it. And it was nice because it was... It was so unique in the sense that it was shot in one take. There was, or not, to, well, I shouldn't say one take. One, it, the whole scene, the movie basically is like one extended scene. So th there's definitely some technology and things they did that made that possible. But it was a very unique movie, uh, cinematography, all that from just the perspective of the cameras. You know, you're with these guys throughout the film, and nothing really changes. Like. There is no scene break, really. So that was unique, and just a movie that really showed the horrors, I think, of World War One. People, you know, we always focus on World War Two, I think, but but you know, both were major conflicts, and a lot of people died. And America eventually got into that war. So uh, just just horrible stuff. The trench warfare was so awful. It was just a oh ungodly um, situation for for everyone involved. So so horrible that you know. The world didn't think uh, we'd get into a major conflict of conflict like that again, and unfortunately, the world did. Uh, Twenty years later, with uh, the rise of uh, you know Nazis and uh, them trying to take over the world, so uh, good movie, really good movie. Nineteen seventeen, um, very good, good act, a lot of good actors in it. And like I said, the most interesting part of it, I think, was kind of the the style in which it was it was filmed. So. Uh, we watched that, and it was early enough in the evening where I told Valerie, I said, you know what, I've really wanted to watch this movie, Midway. Uh, Midway is a remake of, of a film, I think, uh, I don't want to guess on the year, but it was uh, years ago, we'll call it, I don't know, the 60s maybe, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was just, it was really good. A lot of good actors, the action's pretty good, you can tell it's a lot of computerized stuff. But I think the storyline was the main thing, and, and Midway was probably the most important naval air battle um, America's ever been a part of. Had we not won that battle, 
then you know the Japanese probably would have at least had an opportunity to strike the West Coast uh, on our mainland, whether it be uh, whether you know we would have uh, fell to the invading force, who knows? But you know that that naval battle was just so important. We lost a lot of guys. Japanese lost a ton more, but the movie was really well done. I thought paid tribute to uh, the men who fought. And I love at the end of any movie, really, but especially military movies, when they not only will put a like brief paragraph of what happened to the character or how the rest of their life played out or whatever the case may be, but they also do an actual picture of that character uh, next to the actor who portrayed them. I, I always love that. And, and it's in a lot of military movies. Uh, specifically just because a lot of military movies are based on actual events and, and real people. So a uh, really good movie. Like I said, it was, uh, the action was, was, was cool, but you could tell it was, uh, you know, a lot of fake, you know, computerized and everything, but it was still good. really enjoyed that and just love the backstories of the men uh, after the, the, those who survived and, and all that. So really good kind of uh, a, a war movie, uh, Saturday night <laughs> kind of, you know, prepare for, Memorial Day weekend, I guess, even though one was a, a British film, uh, a, a film depicting British soldiers, I should say. Uh, Memorial Day is a special time. I really enjoy it. We had some people over Sunday to kind of kick off or uh, kick off, kind of keep the weekend going. We watched that Tom Brady, uh, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods and uh, Peyton Manning golf golf match that was something huh if anyone who tuned into that I love I loved it it was great I've never sat and watched a full 18 holes of golf before on television so that was new for me but at the same time it was very unique you know they're they're mic'd up and talking smack to each other really cool to see I'm glad they did that uh raise some money for you know charity and such as far as I understand but just really cool to see Two of the best quarterbacks of all time and definitely two of the best golfers of all time kind of pairing up and uh, really cool to see. Watched a little NASCAR after that. Just had it on in the background, but we we barbecued and, and cooked up some food, had some friends. So that was kind of a fun way for the weekend to uh, to almost end. And then obviously we have today, the day off. And for, for people like me, every day is an off day, right? I, I do this podcast, but uh, you know, in general... Uh, I am off not doing a whole lot, so, but uh, got some podcast work in and uh, here we are. So that's kind of how the weekend went. I hope yours went well too. I will touch on some more information tomorrow regarding some of the news that has broke over the weekend, just regarding sports, teams opening their facilities, NCAA, some of the moves they're doing. We'll touch on that tomorrow and, and I'm sure throughout the rest of the week, but today just kind of wanted to focus on the weekend that was. And uh, just Memorial Day, I, I can't quite find the words to express the how I feel about how I feel about it. Um, just just an amazing amazing uh, day that I think we should reflect on more throughout the year instead of just one day. We have a full slate of guests this week. Uh, we have some long recordings and some long shows because I'm going to try to talk a little bit more at the beginning of these shows just to kind of get things off my chest and such. But as I mentioned on Friday, a full slate of guests this week. Today we have Dave Gimby. I know him as a college baseball umpire. He also does some accounting work. So he'll fill us in on all of that. Tuesday is Renzo Orwell. 
I went to high school with Renzo, graduated the same year. He now works as a family and marriage therapist. As his main line of work, he'll fill us in on a few other things he's doing. Wednesday, of course, is Bill Barnes. He's back again on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. The retired police officer brings his strong opinions and very random thoughts. But uh, last week, he was pretty fired up, and I can guarantee he's pretty fired up this week as well. Looking forward to that. On Thursday, we'll be joined by Paul Clark. Speaking of energy, he's going to bring it on Thursday for us. A real Honda Pro graduate of 1985. Yes, the year I was born. Uh, Paul will be on just a lot of energy talking about real Hondo as a, as a fan these days. He works as an, a personal assistant for a, a doctor out in the City of Hope area. Or City of Hope, I should say. He does some uh, individual sports training and such. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to him. And I can promise you he's going to have some very strong opinions about uh, all sports-related topics, uh, specifically LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, those type of things. So going to be a lot of fun there. On Friday, we're joined by Mars Cerna. He's a former high school basketball official. That's where he and I interacted. He now works on the Fontana School Board. He's also a member of the San Bernardino, San Bernardino County Office of Education. So he does a lot of great work, not only in his elected position, but also just trying to get education out there to a lot of different people in San Bernardino County. So a lot of good stuff ahead for this week. We're filled up. We got all the recordings done for the next week. And as I mentioned last week, we were kind of, uh, we needed to put together some. So I reached out to some people and we just started knocking them, knocking them out, knocking them out, right? Uh, we, we always record at least a week out generally. Sometimes special occasions will bring someone on earlier, but that is kind of what is going on for this week. I'm looking forward to it. Last week was so great. We're getting on average of probably anywhere from 40 to 50 plays on the um, the episodes that are released. And, and people go back and listen to some as well. So you're always uh, able to do that. I know I've gone back and listened to a few other ones too just to kind of hear the, uh, the differences and also hear what people like because some of the podcast episodes that people do like – some of the topics and such, I want to kind of make sure we're touching on those more also. Uh, anyway, let's get right to Dave Gimby, kind of a longer intro today. The The interview with Dave does go a little long, so bear with us today. Our episodes are getting a little longer, and, and you know what? That's fine because we, we got the time to do them, and uh, hopefully you have the time to listen to them. But let's get right to Dave Gimby. After a quick message from our sponsor, we'll get right to the Dave Gimby interview. So enjoy. All right, today we are joined by Dave Gimby. He's a Division I college baseball umpire. He's also an account manager for Ankara International. We'll let him tell you all about that. But, Dave, just want to welcome you to the program. Hey, glad to be here, Matt. Glad you uh, uh, asked me to attend. It's great. <laughs> Have you had a chance to listen to any episodes uh, lately, Dave? You know, I feel with some of the Academy Award-winning guests like Mike Jarbo and Bill Barnes, I saw Luther's name on there. I feel very honored to be uh, included in these uh, in this in this podcast. Yeah, I saw a lot of a lot of guys I know. This is great. Yeah, you know, and hey, and it's in no particular order, Dave. I'll tell you that. Uh, just when people are available and and they would like to come on, it's been fun to reach out to so many different people and to catch up with them during this time. Uh, a lot of familiar faces, whether it's, you know, officials or uh, people I played high school ball with or whatever it is. You know, it's just been a, an opportunity to catch up with people. And I, I'm really, really blessed to do it. That's good. And I'm, I'm really glad to, 
because I feel like you're a little bit like my son because uh, you're about the same age. And uh, I always bothered you. I said, Matt, did you uh, ever go to school? He goes, yeah, I got a I got a degree in communications. And I go, man, you should use it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dave always telling me to get a job. And, you know, I I guess I found one uh, ironically during a quarantine or lockdown. So here we are. Uh, (laughs) Dave, you're an account manager at Anchor International. Can you tell me a little bit about that line of work and how long you've been there? Yeah. um, Yeah. I, I had a, Graduated back east in a school called Bloomsburg University back uh, back in 1980, a long time ago. And I've always been an accountant, accounting manager, a controller. But uh, I've been in this line of work ever since I got out of college. So it's uh, it's one of those things where I went to college. I took, uh, you know, accounting as a major. I actually took bookkeeping my senior year of high school. Fell in love with it. People thought, hey, that's kind of weird. This guy likes accounting. But, uh, you know, it's a great job. You get to report the wounded, I call it. After the war, you report the dead, the alive, the wounded. You know, you tell the, the president how much money you made and how much you could have made if you would have did this. And, you know, you beat them up say, hey, if you wouldn't have used all that overtime, we could have made this. And so it's kind of an advisory role that, that progressed over the years. You start out as, you know, paying the bills, paying the payables collecting the cash and reporting some reports and then you finally get into a kind of a role that uh you feel more value added than just an old bean counter but uh love it and uh probably going to retire there you know we uh the company makes cargo loading systems which uh for carriers like fedex ups dhl it's the the actual floor of an entire 737 jet that carries freight. So uh, basically it's a niche market and uh, uh, really enjoy it. So I'm able to uh, have some freedom and do what I really like, which is, uh, which is officiate and, uh, and do this during the day. So it's great. <laughs> and you, you've been involved in a, in a couple different companies, right? With, with account manager type work. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've had, probably three 12 year stints probably had five jobs in my whole career, maybe six, but uh, I was 12 years with a, a composites manufacturer. And if you know what composites are, it's woven fiberglass or woven Kevlar that's 50 inches wide. And they would make the interior of an, of a commercial airplane out of a composite material, low smoke, low toxicity. So I did that for 12 years. I also worked for Pioneer Electronics in Long Beach. And uh, I was the inventory manager, accounting manager there, and uh, basically imported 300 ocean containers from Asia. You know, I always, always, you know, I'm I'm a big Trump, you know, uh, make America great again. I used to always turn my stomach when I would bring in 300 ocean containers from Asia and import all those electronics because I guess, uh, you know, they must make them pretty good and they make them cheap. So did that and uh, distributed those products throughout the Best Buy and all the big stores throughout the U.S. So I uh, I had a Rottweiler role there. So what I mean by that is we had four United States warehouses. So these 300 ocean containers, you can imagine that 
would get delivered to four U.S. warehouses, none of it which were owned by Pioneer. So these were third-party warehouses. So thinking in accounting terms, the product goes in there, transactions come back to Pioneer saying this was received. Then we would obviously get the orders from Best Buy and Walmart and all the, the big uh, retailers. And then the product would be shipped out from this warehouse based on orders. And then obviously, you know, you have beginning inventory plus what you receive, less what you ship out and you have ending. Well, every six months with the third party warehouses with this fine electronics that were very marketable, they had to count those. And lo and behold, they'd be oh, in the a tune of about a half a million dollars short. So I was able to put on my umpire mask and go out to that general manager at that third party warehouse and say, hey, you know, you owe me a half a million dollars. You have shrinkage. And he'd say, what? And I would say, well, all our transactions match. You agree? He says, yeah, I see that all the transactions on your side and all the transactions on the Pioneer side match. So I said, it's very simple. Either your employees walked out the door with it, the truck drivers kicked a couple extra plasma TVs on it, or uh, the stuff just vaporized and walked away. But either way, you're cutting me a check today, pal. <laughs> so that was my job as a inventory manager and fit my role well. It was my best paying job that I've ever had. And uh, got laid off from there because Pioneer stopped the home theater business. They only do car stereos and car speakers. They had a massive layoff. Middle management was uh, was uh, the the uh, kind of the the result of that losing their position. So I did twelve years there, twelve years with this composite company, um, and now I've got. I guess I'm on year nine with uh, Ankara, with two little pit <laughs> stops in there. I had a couple pit stops. They didn't like my baseball uh, flexible career, and I had a few uh, you know <laughs> straight up arguments with a boss. He says, "Hey." You can't leave today at noon. I said, you know, I told you about this. They're, they're moving the games up because of the rain on Sunday. He says, well, you can't have tomorrow off at noon. I said, watch me. <laughs> so I, I, have I have lost, you know, for some of the people that, re uh, that listen to this, the younger umpires, I have lost two jobs because of baseball. And I may lose a third. I just don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Dave, let, let's kind of talk about that because you, you've umpired baseball a long time, uh, especially at the college level. Uh, you know, it, it's a very unique situation uh, with all officials, but especially baseball, where guys have to work around their jobs to be available. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Baseball umpires, a lot of it is about availability. And it's almost like guys who have regular jobs, it's harder to, to do baseball umpiring on top of those things. So what are some of the challenges? You kind of touched on a few right there, but, you know, finding time and availability to umpire while working a full-time job as well. Right. I, I think what, what my success was, was I really worked hard for my bosses during the off season. So basically, you know, you, you know, when, when the, when the regular season's over from July till, you know, next, next January, I would do what it takes. He'd see me go through 
extra work so that when I said, hey, I really need flexibility during the baseball season. Can I come in at six and leave around one or two? And, you know, I might have to do that two days a week because, you know, as, as you're trying to move up, you know, obviously you have high school games that start at 315. Very few schools have lights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you move up in college, more Division two, Division one. Most of those games are at night, so it's a little more, you know, it's a little more flexible, but you got to get there by working all those JC, D2, NAI games so you can get your, you know, get evaluated to where you get promoted. So, but during those times at work, I would work hard in the off season. I would ask my boss, I'd say, here's my schedule. Um, I really appreciate you supporting me. This is what makes me tick. I said, you know how I, I don't I don't complain about my raises or promotions. I said, hell, you could keep my salary you can keep my salary fixed for five years. I could really care. But what I do care about <laughs> is if you give me flexibility two two days during the week where I can walk out the door at twelve thirty or one o'clock. And and that means if the house is burning down at work, you can't say, Hey Dave, I, I you can't go today. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a busload of, you know, there's a busload of uh, college kids traveling from San Diego or Riverside, Orange County. And, hey, if you're not there to umpire that game, you've just cost yourself a career and you've cost, <laughs> you know, schools, the transportation of the game. Your bosses need to understand that, I hate to say this, that when you do, when you do say I'm going to uh, support a college or, a, you know, an umpire, that it's it's not just something flexible that you can just do and yeah I'll be a little bit late you know the game you know, pitchers warm up ten minutes before the game and you better be standing there with lineup cards at ten minutes to two or coaches will as you know coaches will give you that dirty look and say hey my pitcher started getting hot at twenty to two Gimby where the hell were you. <laughs> You know what, Dave? They they don't care. They don't care that that yeah. guys have jobs and that they've right. gone already had a, a ten hour day at work and went in early and have done all these things. They, all they care about is their game and their exactly. you know, umpires are there. No, you know, and that's something that is a challenge in umpiring. That no one cares about your life, uh, your 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 life challenges off the field. They care because you got to be able to put all that stuff aside, whatever you're going through whether it's in your work or your personal life, you got to put all that aside and focus on the task at hand because you're never going to get any sympathy from coaches, players, or fans. Well said, you know, that's their job. Their job is to win games. And my real job is to count numbers at a, at a cargo loading system. So that, that, that's our <laughs> primary jobs, but his job, that coach's job is, is win the ball game. Otherwise he loses his job. So it's, you're right. You're exactly right. It's serious. Serious business at that level. Definitely. And, you know, guys like myself, like I, I drive for Uber and Lyft, so I'm, I'm open. If I, if, if I have a schedule, a game in front of me, like I just, I go to it. There's no, for guys like me and a few other colleagues, there's no challenges that guys like you have to go through. So it's just interesting to me that, you know, college baseball, specifically on the umpiring side, has so many different guys from so many different walks of life balancing family and jobs and all these different things and it really makes the relationships and the friendships you create that much more special because we're all giving up something uh 
usually time to do this thing we love. Yes, we're paid for it and we're paid pretty well. We wouldn't do it for free, but the relationships and the friendships you make because of it are, are probably right up there with uh, some of the monetary gains we get from it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a brotherhood where you could talk about your life. You know, I, I might not see my, my partner, my two partners, my three partners, but, you know, twice a year as we rotate our responsibility, you know, our, our assignments. But when I'm in the locker room with those guys, as you know, we, you talk about everything, life's troubles, problems, yeah. Yeah. we work through it. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how much we all trust each other. And mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we say in the locker room, I, I, I really don't even say to my best friend because I know that he, he associates with his wife and his wife with my wife. I feel more secure talking to you guys than I do my best friend. <laughs> and that's that's just the way it is yeah it's it's a unique workplace it really is and you know Dave you you said your real job your real and it is your real job and baseball is is also a job for us maybe a secondary job whatever you want to call it I don't like the people that say well it's just a hobby of yours or it's a what's the fancy term avocation I think is used <laughs> no th- we put so much time into all of this with testing and traveling and, you know, just so much goes into it. You know, a game starts at six o'clock and and we have a two hour drive. We got to be there an hour and a half beforehand. Then you got to drive home at post game. There's so much more that goes into a ball game than just three hours. So to me, I've always looked at it like a job Uh, and you having us having it be your secondary job. Is that kind of a similar concept for you? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it is, it's, uh, you know, just you know, my day is going to start a lot earlier and I got to prepare and, and man, I got to set my watch to know I got to walk out the door at, you know, two thirty to get to San Diego by four thirty. you know, whatever it is, I got to, I, I don't have any leeway. So everything's got to hum right. I tell my employees when I go in that day that two thirty, I turn into Cinderella, I will disappear. So do do not walk up in my office at two twenty five, and come in and go. Do you got a minute? Because I know you're bullshitting me. I got a twenty minute problem, and I got to leave in five minutes. So don't don't do that to me. Save it for tomorrow, <laughs> or see me now. <laughs> so it, it is. It's like, it's 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 just you know being real organized. But you but there is no leeway. You cannot be late and have your crew chief and your partners <laughs> worry. Where are you? And you feel real bad when you're the last guy in the, in the locker room and, and uh, being late is just not acceptable. It's just not. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I agree with you. And, and you know, it, it carries into other things you do. You yeah. think, I think umpires become very good at time management, whether it's, you know, the personal life, leaving, leaving to go out to dinner with the missus or, or uh, you know, going up to show up at a friend's house or whatever, like, generally because of these punctuality we've had to be disciplined with that in general you show up to places when you say you will <laughs> at least that's yeah. what i've found it yeah. it's like second nature it is you know and I'm, you know i've i uh, you know met the love of my life and you know married at three plus years now and lane always reminds me <clears throat> whenever we're in a situation at home and i get a little too specific she'll remind me <laughs> She'll remind me at eight o'clock at night. She'll say, 
you are not talking to a coach. You are not, you are not on the baseball field right now. You're at home. You're in, like you say, it's flexible. Why, why does everything have to be so tight and punctual? We knock that stuff off, you know? So, uh, totally right on because, uh, you gotta be able to be flexible during your life and not, not be that guy the other 21 hours of the day. Uh huh. You better leave your mask at the office for sure. (laughs) I think all any any guy who's umpired a long time uh, knows exactly what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) When I when I go to work, one of the great great things I say at work, I said I go, dude, it's a ball strike, safe or out. There's no gray area. It is what I say it is. And I'm at work. (laughs) And I'm at work right now. And this is how we're gonna do this. So I use mm-hmm. it. I use it when I want to make a point too at work. It, it and everybody laughs, but uh, they know what I mean. Like, hey, this is a this is you know this is not negotiable. We're going to do it this way today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know it, it. It sticks with us. It stick. It never leaves us. No matter you yeah. know whether you stop umpiring or or uh, or not. You know it, it's it's always there in us. And you know, just one more point on the whole work thing, Dave. A lot of guys. Were, were great umpires, but the, the availability just wasn't there. And you can't ask a guy to give up his career necessarily for, for uh, you know, a couple months of, of making extra money, really. It's, it's unfortunate that, that there are guys who are put in that situation. But, you know, it is what it is. As simple as that sounds, I just wish it was more accessible to more people, uh, especially in the workforce, so that we, our numbers could get up and, and we could strengthen uh, our skills as well. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a choice you have to make it, you know, as I think you make a great, a great point because, you know, I'm, I'm a middle manager. I mean, I am not going to be stinking rich. I'm not going to be poor, but I know if I push real hard at work and I take home a bigger briefcase, it's going to be more responsibility more hours and I will not be able to do my vocation. I mean, I know a couple of guys and, you know, I mean, we, we know, take a guy like Carl Coles, very well, (laughs) you know, very well, uh, you know, um, experienced in education. He became like a superintendent and, you know, the head administrator of a, you know, school district. Next thing you know, he's, he's not on the ball field because he can't leave at, two o'clock on this day because yeah. he might have him have to fire a teacher at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. But you're right. So I've chosen, you know, my vocation because of the flexibility and I, and I try to leave it at that, but you're right. If a guy is married and he's got you know, with a wife at home and kids and he's got to make a bigger nut to bring home. Yeah. The primary job is number one. And, this 15 grand a year um, college umpiring hobby is really what it is. It's a, it's a hobby. It doesn't pay, but you know, part of the, you know, maybe pays a little bit of the bills, but uh, it's definitely secondary. Yeah. The money's good. I mean, it could always be better, but, but it's, it's, there's other ways and probably better ways to make money. Uh, It, you know, there's something about it. It's, it's like this, 
you know, not to make light of the situation right now, but it's like a, it's like a disease. Like yeah. you can't let it go. Like you want to, you want to be out on the ball field, working with your buddies, working a ball game, uh, you know, getting yelled at by fans and coaches. Like it, it doesn't sound that fun, but there's something about it that just is like, it's almost like a competition, except it's, it's that same feeling I feel when, when you're competitive which we're, we're not because we, we don't give a we don't care about the the outcome of game. But to me, it's that same inner desire that fuels like competition that fuels guys to get on the baseball field specifically. Other officiating too, but just we we can't seem to walk away from it. It's always there. Yeah, I t- I agree because I <clears throat> those situations you talk about that might be five ten percent of the time where you have to make mm-hmm. tough decisions and. Then I not always going to like the decision, and you got to, you know, walk, get the game going. As Bill Barnes once said, it's, you know, put the fire out without the water. So <laughs> you you, uh, you got to diffuse the situation in 45 seconds. Hey, coach, that's what I got today. We're going to get the game started. I know we're, you know, we're going to agree to disagree, but hey, you know, I hear you. But here we go. We got to get going, and you got to do that without ejecting him. And you got to get get the game going fast because your partners and everybody else are, are watching how you handle that five to ten percent of the game. Now okay. the other the other ninety percent of the game, you know, I, I'm you know I'm focused on the game, but I'm also there's times between pitches, you know, I'm not saying that you know I don't make it well known, but you know we'll talk to a, a first baseman or a third baseman, and you know basically hey. Is this, you know, is this your senior year? Are you getting out on time? Are you, are you getting any nibbles on draft? What are you hearing? You know, let's say you do get drafted in the 30th round and that's 120 grand. Would you sign? Now, I get, I ask a lot of questions that I'm hoping my, my supervisors uh, and bosses aren't listening to this, but uh, when they're not looking and when I'm not being, since I haven't gotten caught, I ask the questions of those players like that. And I, you know, I, I really enjoy just, uh, you know, I know we're, it's, it's, it's talking to them, but it's basically they're going to get confident in you with your ability to umpire just as I get confident in them as they uh, take pitches in the, in the box or whatever it is, you know, you get a relationship that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get every strike I'm going to get. And I still will strike you out whether I've been talking to you down at first base the day before. Or now today I'm the plate umpire. And if that pitch mm-hmm. is an inch outside and I'm banging that pitch, you know, nobody gets any favoritism, but they respect you. They go, huh, mm-hmm. is that on the corner? I go, yep. You know, you, you got to take that pitch to left, Jimmy. <laughs> Well, well, Dave, what are some of your uh, fondest memories umpiring? Any level, just what What are some, you got any, I mean, stories or or just moments yeah. that were just a true honor to be a part of? Anything. Let's see. Well, uh, I think um, a couple of, I'll give you a couple funny stories, you know, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into some <laughs> more problems. I think the best one that I had, I guess with the best, somebody told me it was the top 10 comment ever, but uh, it was a high school game and I was on the bases and the play was a steal, a second base. 
And the first base coach for the team that the call went against was a rather large gentleman. And uh, after the call, and I, you know, bottom line called his runner out, he came out to me and said, I need to get in better position. You know, you need to hustle out here. And I let my guard down. I looked at this large gentleman and I said to him, you need to mix in a salad. Oh, jeez. Ouch. Of course, we got after the ejection and I had to write a letter to uh, to uh, Y God of CIF. That was the only way that I could. It was the same year that I did a, a, a final in high school. But um, all my old buddies will always text me and say, hey, hey, Dave, mix in a salad. <laughs> So that's a story. It's not one I'm really proud of, but uh, hey, it's on the podcast. It's legit. I did it. I owned up to it. it I apologize for it. <laughs> it slipped out huh, in your early days. <laughs> and then one more story on a, a funny one. This was in a JC game. And the COD coach's name was Dave Buttles. He was a 25-year veteran coach of COD. And I'm on the plate. <clears throat> And he's in the uh, <clears throat> defensive, you know, coach's dugout. <clears throat> he's going out the, and he's getting ready to come out. But before he came out to go talk to his pitcher, the offense, the third base coach said, I want an offensive timeout. So the batter came down, met the third base coach halfway. They're talking. Next thing you know, Dave Buttles, the defensive coach, goes out to talk to his pitcher. So I'm thinking, oh, here we go. We have two conferences going on. At that time, at that time, this is back in the day where the rule was different. If if the coach from the defensive team stayed out on the field after the offensive conference was over, you would, you would charge him with a trip. That was the rule. So I knew, I knew the rule. Obviously, he didn't know the rule. So what happened was the offensive, the batter and the third base coach broke up. The third base coach went back to his third base box. The batter is standing in the batter's box. Coach Buttles is still out on the mound talking to his pitcher. He turns around, starts walking off the, the, the mound, and I said, Hey, Dave, that's your third trip. He said, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> he said, they had an offensive conference. It's, it's, it's not a trip. And, of course, he's a JC coach. He's been there for 25 years. So here was the line that I said. I said, Dave, that's your third trip. He says, I have never seen that called in all of baseball. And I said, Dave, that's why you're still in this position after 25 years. And I turned around around and walked away. Dave, 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 come on. Because I I won't type. I'm the type of guy that kind of like doesn't like to do a lot of paperwork with ejections. But I do like to get my point across. I do like to teach. And I think, you know, (laughs) Bill Barnes is the same way. If we can teach coaches and teach players and get, you know, and 
I'm not saying my comments are respectful, but it does it does make people think that you just can't turn around in front of the whole crowd and go, I haven't seen this in all of baseball. Well, you know what? That's why you're still at this position after 25 <laughs> years. I guess everyone has their <laughs> own way of doing things. I, I, uh, but I, I, I don't know if I would, if I would go there, Dave, well, that's, you know, to, to reach his own, I guess. Um, on the, on the other side of the, 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 the field where I like to take pride in is working with younger guys. So get the coaches stories out of the way. Um, I really like working with younger guys who basically are open to hearing from an experienced guy that's been doing this thing for, you know, 30 years at a pretty high level. And if they're open enough to, uh, take a comment without giving me this comment that says, yeah, but <laughs> if, if, if the kid will, if he loses those two words, um, I will take him under my wing. And like I tell everybody, all you have to do with these older guys is take in their comments and say, good point, Matt. Good point, Bill. Good point, Dave. Even if, you think my comments are bullshit. Don't ever, <laughs> don't ever, ever say, yeah, but Matt Hurstman told me to stand over here. Mm-hmm. I go, I could give a shit about if Matt Hurstman <laughs> told you to stand over here. Dave Gimby is telling you this is where you need to be. <laughs> yeah, guys, you know, guys are so quick to oh, respond because yeah. – Guys are defensive, and it's like I've heard so many things about umpiring that that I've I've put into practice right away, and it's made my game better. And there's a lot of things I've heard that are complete nonsense that I would never try, yeah, never do. But you, same thing, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Like, what is so hard about that? Everyone's everyone wants to be right all the time. It's just just feedback. It's one guy's opinion, like from his experiences. Just it is what it is. You don't have to be all combative all the time. Yeah, just take it in, say thank you, and you could let it go out the other ear. That's fine, but don't <laughs> tell me that. Hey, I've been with other guys and they've told me this, and I said, okay, if we're getting into that, then hey, you're on your own there, there, uh, dark yeah. thrower. You need to join a an individual sport because uh, we, we're a crew here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there is a there is a crew camaraderie. <laughs> Uh, that, that goes on and, and Dave you know you don't always get to work with uh, guys you you like or you enjoy working with there, there's very few of them but in our line of work you you occasionally get put with guys where even if you don't like them or you do not get along you better get along when you're at least on the field so that so that you're united yeah. you, you have this you can disagree off the field, but if a team gets any sense of the fact that, oh, these guys don't like each other, then you seem unorganized. You seem like you don't have control of just your, even your own crew. Uh, you can't let your guard down in that in that respect, even if you're working with somebody you don't like. It doesn't happen often, but uh, unfortunately, it's something you got to learn to deal with. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, we always do that in the locker room. We go, hey, you're, we're the only friends we got this weekend. You know, we're going to back each other up as a crew. So if I don't slide over, hey, 
you know, pick me up. Yeah, you, you never, ever want to let, even if you don't like the guy, there's never an acceptable practice where you would let the guy crash and burn because you are a crew. If uh, the plate umpire doesn't get up to get down to third base, or you're supposed to rotate, you know, the U3 doesn't just hang out at second and go, boy, this will look good, him making that 90-foot call. He's going to get it stuck up his ass. Well, you know, you get your ass over there. If you see he's not going to get there, he was he fell asleep or he, whatever it was, you never leave a guy you don't like crash and burn. You are, you are a crew staver, no matter if you like each other or you don't like each other. And, it, you know, we do some, and the reason why we have this stuff is we'll be on these crews and the guy might keep the car allowance and not, give the change back to the other two guys. The next thing you know, you'll hear a reputation. Hey, don't, you know, if you work with John Doe and you go to New Mexico state and the car rentals only a hundred bucks, you got to remind John Doe that he owes everybody 20 bucks at the end of the weekend. It, it, it happens because people have weird practices sometimes <laughs> and it's, a lot of yeah. little bits over money, a little bit like not picking up the tab on as much <laughs> as you should be. There's, there's a, but once you get a reputation and I don't like you and your name gets around, um, people don't want to be with you because it's not going to be a fun yeah, weekend because yeah. I got to spend an extra hundred dollars because you're going to be cheap and you want to be taken home. You don't want to go out with the boys. I got to make a special <laughs> trip for you. Yeah, all that shit. So yeah, you're, it, yeah. it's it. You're right. You want to find the same three guys that you, you don't mind hanging out with, but it does happen. You know, you, you you're gonna get, be with that guy, and you, and you just say, hey, look, we got each other's back out there today, and and yeah, I've never had that. I've never had where I've seen it. I've never uh, experienced a uh, brouhaha in the locker room or pushing or <laughs> or uh you know I've, been, I've seen quietness where no one says a word but i've never seen an altercation an unprofessional argument where a guy gets in the other guy's face in the locker room so I, i'm really fortunate i don't know i just uh i just won't let it happen i mean i guess that's probably uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i hear you. you bring up a good point that you bring up a good point about off the field stuff because i think the majority of the conflicts we have uh, with our peers or where guys get in trouble, we'll say is off the field stuff. It can be anything. It can be uh, this guy didn't uh, fly, didn't arrive in the city. We were going to on time. He, uh, he didn't, uh, you know, pay his share of the rental car. This guy didn't, uh, you know, he acted up at a restaurant. He made us look bad. He, he wore, something inappropriate to the ballpark. He said this to uh, a game management attendant, something, an inappropriate comment, all these things, they should be simple, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, uh, you know what, when, when there's a big group of people, uh, umpires are, uh, you know, include, especially that there's a few bad eggs every now and then, again, I don't want to paint a bad picture of, of umpires because 90, 5% of them are, are great guys and some of my best friends. Uh, but yeah, those are the things guys don't realize that everything you do, how you carry yourself on and off the field, uh, off the field is just as important as how you do things on the field. Yep, it's, 
everything matters. Mm -hmm. And and I I used to say this early in my career. I have a full-time daytime job. I have to deal with people eight to five every day. And that, that means a lot of people, not just baseball people, just people skills. And, in, and you're right. I, I have an advantage. Uh, Bill Barnes has an advantage. He, he was, he's Riverside cop for 30 years. He has to approach people in a way when they're obviously made a mistake or someone's complaining about something. He has to show compassion that, you know, whatever the call he was on. So a lot of us have advantages because we have an eight to five job. Like you have a job at an Uber and your customers get in your car and you've got mm-hmm. to talk to them a little bit because whether they're going to, you know, you know, whether you like it or not, keep your car clean, give you a good tip, whatever. But it's the people skills that you do that carry over mm-hmm. to baseball and it carries over off mm-hmm. the field and how you act at a restaurant and the conversations you keep and the, you know, you're putting people out of their way. Are you are you causing the rest of the crew to sacrifice because of you? Because of your selfish behavior, whatever it is, it it it, it should be common sense. But a lot of us like yeah. have an advantage because of the what we do during the day helps us to behave in a on a baseball off the field. So it's it's a good thing. So you're you're right though. Yeah, Fan, fans, co- everyone has this perception of umpires, obviously on the field, but off the field it really matters. As I just said. I never want someone to come up to me, a friend of mine or whatever, say, oh, yeah, I met this umpire one time at this restaurant. He was a real jerk. I want every time uh, someone meets an umpire, they should be almost blown away by by the respect, the manners, how they carry themselves. I'm like, oh, man, that guy's a great guy. Like, I, I would have never thought that about an umpire before. But it's, in my opinion, that's how it should be. If ever I run across a, someone that says, oh, yeah, so-and-so was a jerk, I, I'm, I'm talking from like a civilian standpoint. Yep. You know what? Uh, that to me requires a serious talking to of that person because they are representative of the craft of me and everyone else involved in it. And so, uh, yeah, people don't realize that you are twenty four seven. Need to carry yourself accordingly. That's, that's correct. I, you know, you and me both. We always have a baseball or two in our trunk because you never know when a little kid. You know, you're out, you bring your gear back to your car, and this kid walks is walking walking back to his car with an empty glove. And if I can put a baseball in this six-year-old's glove to make his day and say, man, I got that, and, and I remind him who I am. You know, hey, you got that from an umpire? You instill that in some kid that he'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of guy I want to be, you know? Definitely. And, and, you know, Dave, when we talk about schedules and partners and crews, I tell I tell guys I work with all the time. I say when the schedule comes out, yes, I care where the game is. I care who the teams are. But the first thing I look at is I click on my partners. Who's my who's my crew going to be? Who am I working with? And you don't you there, you want to fall into two categories. You don't want to be the guy that when someone sees your name, they go, oh, no, <laughs> You want to be the guy, oh, Dave, okay, cool. We're going to have a good time. We're going to be set. Like everything's going to, you, you, and it can be that simple. I mean, as simple looking at a name based, based off of your reputation or other experiences you've had with that guy or someone else has had with that guy, because as you know, umpires are the biggest gossip queens uh, on the planet. We, we talk, we yep. spread rumors, 
good and bad. It's uh, it, it's it is it's unfortunate, but it's just it's part of who we are. Yeah, I guess no, I do the same thing, and I I'll pick a, I'll pick one or one series or two, and I'll try to say, hey, that'd be a good time. Hey, that's going to be with so and so, and you know, let's let's go there. I can you know take my wife that weekend. See if you want to take yours. It depends on the right. I only do that once or twice during mm-hmm. the season. I don't like to do that too much because you're right. We are, we do end up, it's, it's not a fun weekend for the ladies. I, I always tell them if you do go to the game, don't go to the game <laughs> till the seventh inning. You show up in the seventh inning <laughs> and you go out with the boys, you have a few beers and we have dinner, but do not show up in the first inning unless you really, really, really like baseball. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's my deal. It's not that glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, well, Dave. Let's let's go back a little bit. We talked a lot about college umpiring and kind of the craft and everything. Uh, where where where'd you get your start and kind of why did you start? Like, what what's your your backstory? Take us all the way back to all the right. beginning. All right. So after college in Pennsylvania, I transferred to northeastern Louisiana, a little town called Monroe. And I lived there for three years. I was 22. So from my, when I was 22 to 25, I had my first accounting job down there. And I was transferred with State Farm Insurance and a big regional office. And the guy next to me had sons in Little League. Next thing you know, I go, walk, I go to one of his games and he starts talking. He's a coach. And he starts talking to us, hey, you know, they really need uh, – umpires and i said really and uh, you know i played the game and played and i got cut as a junior in college but i played all during high school and i knew the game really well so i strapped it on and started doing little league at age 22 23 so i did that and then i then uh got transferred again and went back to pennsylvania didn't take it up at all and then when i when i met my first wife I moved to California in 85 but in and so I took eight years off from umpire and I umpired probably in 1982 and then I next time I went was 1990 so there's an eight year I left the game and I just happened to be walking around one day was near El Toro High School down in Lake Forest I'm walking the dog you know this is 1990 so uh I guess I'm 30, 32 years old at the time. I see this guy doing a one-man MSBL game. And I said, wow, look at this. These guys are in their 30s and 40s and gray hair, throwing pitches, you know, pretty, you know, nothing, nothing real talented. But just respect the fact that here's some older guys playing the game and there's only one umpire. And I'm going, that looks weird. So the game was over and he started talking to me. And next thing you know, he handed me a card and he said, uh, Hey, why don't you join our high school, high school group and pick it back up again. And so next thing you know, I joined the high school unit 1990, the same year as uh, guys like Ron Henning, Steve Fidelli, Gary Gilman, the, that era. We were in the same kind of you know group down. So I started doing high school ball in 1990, 91. And in my second year, third year of high school, I 
wanted to, you know, do junior college. So I went to the meeting and did all that. And, you know, Rich Cullen um, heard my name and I got a couple games, whatever. But here's what happened during like 1992, 93. I met a guy. His name was uh, Ray Ty. And he was a he was going to the police academy and he was, I guess he would, we didn't communicate very well. He said, here, take my junior college schedule, give Rich Cohen a call, tell him you got my schedule. Cause I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so I called Rich Cohen. He doesn't know who I am. He goes, uh, he goes, I'll tell you, he goes, I'll tell you what, why don't you keep that schedule? And if you screw it up, I'll, I'll take it away from you. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. So next thing you know, I'm getting more JC games than my whole group of uh, guys that I came up with. I'm working playoffs a little faster. I kind of got a little edge, but it was, I fell into the schedule just because a guy quit on the spot. So, so anyway, make it long to make, let me kind of let this progress. (laughs) Did JC ball from, uh, 93, 94, 1995, I did my first, um, believe it or not, did my first state uh, state game at Cerritos College with Dick Flaherty and Chuck Lyon and uh, um, Vic Bernstein. Some of these names are just way ancient, um, but but again, I, I, I did that in the uh, Ever since then, I've been doing postseason with JC. I've been to Fresno six times for the junior college state deal, and then six six six, six state. Uh, yeah, really six times you worked the state final. That's awesome, yeah. man. But I, I really liked it. And then you know, it, and uh, D two and you know the NAIA, everything just kind of came along okay. And uh, did. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the best on the field. I wasn't the worst. I was, uh, I got, got a good <laughs> schedule and I was always happy with it. And I broke into D D one in 2004, um, big West and then 2005 PAC 12. So those two conferences i I'm still in. So I'm 15, 16 year veteran in those conferences. And then, Tom Heiler picked me up in like 2006 or seven. And uh, I just. For the what? For the West Coast Conference? So about I've been in the West Coast Conference since maybe 2007. And I just actually applied and got into the Mountain West two years ago. So now I, you know, is, you know, like I'll just take it like this as my age, I'm obviously on the downside of my, uh, d1 career you know you want to get as many weekends as you can but if i can continue getting six eight ten weekends if i can get into that arena and stay on the field and have good mobility you know i'll keep it going but um and i'm still being utilized for d2 if i'm not working d1 and i don't mind either one other than the fact that the pay is not the same and um Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to do a split series of D2 between San Diego and San Bernardino. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, moving parts in D2 that we don't like, but I, I enjoy 
any level I'm doing. And I realize that, uh, you know, my youth is behind me. I can still run, but uh, I'm going to hang in there for another couple of years. That's for sure. And uh, see where it goes. You know, I'm kind of like in, I'm the same spot as Billy Barnes where I don't, I don't want to leave. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to have someone tell me, Hey Dave, you know what? You don't, you don't quite have the mobility. I think you should step down. You know, you want to leave on your own and you don't, you just don't want to embarrass yourself. It's just, uh, there's too many good young guys that are coming, getting released from minor league ball that you want to hold. You don't want to hold anybody back. So, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll keep it going. I, I enjoy the hell out of it. And I love the off the field brewskis after the, after the game and having some dinner and uh, sitting around and telling stories and, and you got to keep it clean. You can't talk about too many other guys. You got to like, you'll be sitting there. Next thing you know, someone's name comes up and you go, Hey, we're not going to bad mouth or talk about, Matt Hurston today. I mean, come on. It's, 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 <laughs> the poor guy kicked it last night. Hey, you know what? It's okay. It happens. <laughs> I I one time had a group of officials over at my aunt and uncle's house. So there was a golf tournament. And we were all hanging out, having appetizers or whatever. After the golf, my uh, aunt and uncle were so gracious to have us over. I don't know, 10, 15 guys maybe. And my uncle, it was all, all officials. Um, it was actually football officials. And my uncle turned to me, uh, he was a pretty, pretty big sports guy. And he goes, I have never seen a group of people talk more, more badly about officials <laughs> than officials. I, he goes, I did not expect to hear sports officials talking bad about one another and being critical. They are way more critical than your average fan is. And I thought that was really telling. Uh, but, but yeah, that's kind of how it is. You know, we're, we're very critical yeah. of each other, sometimes too much. And we, co- we cross the line occasionally, but not yeah, much, right? We, we do pretty good. We, uh, we, we have a good time. And I, you know, I can't wait to get together with all you guys again. I'm trying to, as soon as this COVID thing lifts to where we can be uh, even six feet apart in a bar, I can't wait to do a couple of shots and beers. <laughs> uh, Dave, what's it been like for you, the whole uh, lockdown situation? Has it changed? I mean, obviously you can't go out. We lost a ton of money not being able to work baseball, yeah. which is very frustrating. A lot of it, people, it's their, it, it, it's their secondary income, but for a lot of people too, it's their primary income. And, it's been definitely weird not working baseball in the spring right now, not only not having the money, but not having the interactions and working on the field. So what, what has the overall lockdown been okay, for well, you? I'm definitely up about four to five pounds. So I'm uh, tipping the scales at 189 and 190. And I don't like that. That part of it <laughs> bothers me. Um, yeah, I miss, I miss the interaction of the baseball. Um, and I, I certainly hope that even part of some of the summer schedule will kick in just a little bit for the com- camaraderie. I know the, you know, the, the games aren't going to be as competitive, but I still want it to, to still happen, whether it's July or August. Um, mm-hmm. work, work-wise, I am so fortunate because our company is in the transportation and we have some military contracts. So we were in the call it we're in the critical uh 
um, critical employment where none of us at our work lost any hours. So I'm, I'm working two days from home and then I go into the office Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, so I'm still getting a full paycheck and my wife, um, is pretty much except for her 24 hour fitness classes, but she's still making 75 or 80% of her income. So, you know, I'm, I'm missing the baseball and I've been really fortunate. My, my landlord knows that, you know, that I missed out on 15 grand income and he discounted my rent for three months and I don't have to pay it back. So I'm, I, you know, I thank the Lord every day for how fortunate we've been. Um, not, but mm-hmm. I do look at some of my brothers who officiate, you know, full time or do two or three sports and little fill in. And I, I feel for those guys. I hope that they're able to, you know, file and collect some unemployment or do something. I, I feel really bad because, uh, it does make you, it does make you humble when you have to feel that hey, you don't have a paycheck as good a paycheck to provide for the family. Um, you really, you know, it really makes you you think. So I've been really lucky, and I'm, I try to. I call I call Billy Barnes about every week or every two weeks. We we talk just a little bit about. Uh, you know, Gavin Newsom and Gar- Garcetti and Trump. And, and we, we, you know, we, we look at, but Hey, we just tell it like it is. It's uh, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, Donald Trump supporters. He might not have good people skills. He probably doesn't get them all right. He's a little optimistic. He's probably said some things that were non-scientific, but overall, I give the guy an 85 and I vote for him again. So. <laughs> well, well, we all need a place to vent. I know Bill really does. And so him coming on here <laughs> weekly, <laughs> I, I've got some great, great feedback from some people uh, uh, listening. And, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't like listening to him, but yeah, he's, he's fun <laughs> to have on every week. I know you uh, you've tuned into a few episodes recently and, He's always got something to say. I'll tell you yeah, that I gotta, much. I got to go check out Luther's. I, mean, I saw Luther's name on there. I go, man, we got some guys on here that, <laughs> you know, uh, I told the old story that I almost was at Luther's funeral because he, uh, he passed out and almost died at uh, Maverick Park. And uh, yeah. <laughs> one summer day, he was laying on a, on a bench. And I forget who his son yeah. was. And he said, get the game going. Go Barnes. <laughs> they get the game going. I go, oh, yeah, but Luther's dead over there in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to ruin the interview for you, but that is discussed on Luther's episode. So <laughs> be, be sure to check that out. Yeah, I forgot. Dave was uh, Luther passed out and the ambulance come get him and uh, went to the hospital. And Dave came in as the replacement. And I think yeah. I had worked, you know, we had worked multiple games that day. And I already worked my two plates and, and you came in and you're like, you're working the plate in the next game. I was like, Dave, Dave, I've already worked two plates. Like Bill Barnes called you, called you up. And, uh, and then you were funny. You're like, fine, I'll work the plate. Where are we going afterwards? <laughs> that, that's just, that's what it's about, man. And, I felt bad so, to, you know, scooping Luther up out of the dugout and we're trying to get the game going. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, gotta love him. Well, well, Dave, another thing that you do is uh, on the side is is you you for for whatever reason <laughs> jumped into high school basketball officiating as well, and you you work Division One baseball, college baseball, and you also don't mind going out there and working a. Uh, a JV girls basketball game uh, as well. So what can you tell me about, I guess, the, the different dynamics there and, and I guess why you enjoy doing high school basketball? It's a great, I'll tell you what, at age 50, 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, you start getting so burned out doing so much baseball. And I've had so many guys come up and say, hey, mm -hmm. you got to really check this out. He goes, you know, we have a, a player dribbling the ball. He's going to the hoop. We got some contact. We got the ball going in the hoop. You get to put air in the whistle, put your hand in the air, and then you get to say shot counted and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, sounds good. So I checked it out. I said, you know, I've never played the game, but I, I've watched it and I love it. I tell you what, I, uh, I like, I like the action. It's got the same kind of intensity as, you know, doing the, making a close call in, in, in baseball, you might, you might have maybe 10 of those in a basketball game where you've got a, a block charge type of call that you have to make, or you have contact going to the basket and having a late whistle and letting it just play on. And when the coach says, and, and one, you got to turn around to the coach and say, coach, we're going to let him play a little bit today. <laughs> You know, and it's the same thing on the baseball field. You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, when Gillespie says, hey, Dave, how how far outside are you going to go today? <laughs> so in basketball, you get the same comment, whether you make the right call or not. And I, lo I love the interaction. And in basketball, the good part about it is when I do talk to the coaches, meaning that my partners are ministering a free throw under the basket and I'm over table side right near the coach after I have been to the table and made the call and the guy's shooting two and the coach gets in my ear and I talk to the coach, you know what he says to me? He said, he says, you must do baseball. And I go, why? He goes, <laughs> Because none of those basketball players talk to me at all. You guys know how to talk to coaches. I go, really? <laughs> I, swear, I, I kid you not. Um, the advantage of, of having baseball on your resume and having all those tough discussions makes you a more believable, credible basketball official. And it's, and you know, and I, mm -hmm. I went to a camp last summer. Took my son. He went to another one before that, and he still didn't want to do it. But I went to a camp, and, you know, now my schedule's kind of like, you know, and I'm not trying to move up, but I'm doing more. I'm like half, half varsity girls, the other half, you know, JV stuff. So I'm like 50-50. <laughs> but I will just – I'd rather go out there and to, do, uh, you know, two lower-level games and be done at – you know, 6.30. I have also, I'm going on record. <laughs> Bill Barnes has committed to joining the Foothill Citrus basketball unit this year. 
Yeah. So Stop it. I'm going on record. No. I'm going There's on, no I'm going on record way. Here and I want you to bring it up on the podcast on Wednesday because he committed to me that he would do it because I told him, number one, it gets you in really good shape. You run up and down the court. I said, number, <laughs> number two, I said, it gets your people skills going because the basketball guys don't they're not as good with the people skills as a baseball guy. So you shine. And I said, a number three, I go, it has a clock. The sport ha- has a clock. You know, yeah. You're done four, eight, four, eight minute quarters. You're done. And so <laughs> there yeah. is no way yeah, Bill know. is going to, there's no way he's going to last the whole season. I, I, if he got out there and did that, he would no, snap no, at some point with some of way high school parents and fans are. Are. come on so make sure make sure oh boy that is sure breaking that up on wednesday <laughs> oh for sure that is breaking news and uh we're gonna have to confirm it and check some sources on that uh <laughs> wow dave well uh it's been a lot of fun dave i'm glad we got to have this discussion and we haven't chatted in a while and unfortunately with baseball we didn't get to work this year because our Season was shortened, but I look forward to working with you in baseball uh, down the road. Hopefully we have a season next year, but uh, if we don't, either way, we will either talk again soon or oh, definitely yeah. meet up uh, sometime soon. That Sounds really fun. Good. I enjoy the heck out of this. Hey, let me know uh, when this will be posted that I can pull this up because my wife definitely wants to learn some of her, some of my uh, secret life lessons from this. So she wants to pull this up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We'll probably uh, throw it out there uh, in a week or so. Uh, probably. We'll probably start it off with the, the week. Okay. So probably on a Monday in a week or so, but uh, should be, should be a lot of fun, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. I, th- I really appreciate it. The, the listenership too, uh, you know, oh, yeah. being a, a listener, there's plenty to, listen to especially yeah, I, Bill I, Barnes. It, it, it's great. I just, uh, I got nothing better to do. I throw that on in the car and uh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Matt. Well, (laughs) Well, Hey, real quick. Someone, someone wants to say hello. Hi Dave. How are you? How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. How's married life? Good. Yeah. I'm uh, I passed passed probation. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's so good to hear your yeah. voice. It's been a long time. Oh, gosh, I, uh, we got. We definitely need to get a little get-together where it's at the highbrow or the E or whatever whatever little joint is in Rancho. I'm, uh, I'm in. <laughs> oh, you just said the magic words, Dave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's definitely happening. Oh. Uh, we'll give my I best will. to your wife, and I'm sure we'll see you very, right, very Alan, soon. Take care. All right. You too. All right. All right. See, Dave, a little, little bonus, little bonus minute there for you. All right, man. We'll uh, <laughs> bonus hey, keep it up, and uh, just um, I'll look for it. What, what are you going to call it? You're going to going to have okay. to uh, right. think about that one. If you have any suggestions, I'll. Yeah, think it, think it over. There's no rush. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we'll tender loving care and, and see what good. we can come up with.
another thank you to Dave Gimby. It's unfortunate we didn't get to work much baseball this season, but you know what? There's worse tra- tragedies in the world as well. Uh, you know what, Dave? I think we'll we'll get to uh, work a ball game or two next year. At least I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you for <laughs> your stories and uh, thoughts on umpiring and, and what makes it so great. So I really appreciate you coming on. We will see you very soon. Guys, that'll wrap up another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Thank you to Dave Gimby for leading us off and getting us uh, going in the right direction for this week. Happy Memorial Day to everyone once again. Special day. Uh, you know, always remember those who've done so much for us. As always, you can follow the Get Home Safe podcast in many ways. The Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We continue to get some feedback from people and, and guys with that email address or, or any platform, really. If you want to send us anything, any suggestions, comments, we are an open book here. We are willing to listen. We will talk about uh, various topics. If you have something you want us to discuss or if you have just some comments on the format and kind of how things are going. I received some very uh, effective feedback this weekend from another friend. Uh, you know, not, not everything has to be 100% positive, right? We're trying to improve. And it wasn't negative comments. They were just comments that uh, were some suggestions for how things could be a little bit better. And, and I like that. I like getting feedback. You know, it's, it's important. We want to have a good show every single day or every time we put it out at least. Uh, we, we For now, we're doing it every day, but, but that may not be forever. We may cut it back at some point. But with all the people I have to talk to, I want to continue to put it out there and and just keep rolling with it so that's the plan uh really looking forward to tomorrow and renzo's roel his interview talk about his work as a family and marriage therapist he's also an adjunct professor at the university of laverne so he's got a few things to talk talk about specifically how the coronavirus lockdown has affected uh, people in, in maybe some ways we didn't think about. So be ready for that tomorrow. Haven't talked to Renzo in a while, except, you know, before that interview. So I'm looking forward to posting that tomorrow and looking forward to having you with us again. Again, thank you for following us, for listening to us. All the episodes are on the Anchor app, but wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on is greatly appreciated. We will wrap things up today. We look forward to tomorrow. And guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.